Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey, what's happening, Rush Nation? Hope you're all well. It is Monday. We're back to our regular scheduled programming. Sorry for the curveball last week and the no video, but it was still a great podcast. I think you'll all agree with with Graham Barfield. Um, but today I got a returning guest. Uh, Stocks is still on his sabbatical. We've uh, called in another friend, uh, someone who was on just a few months ago, but uh, he asked me to be on his show recently. So I didn't feel so bad when I asked him to come back. <laughs> um, but before I introduce him and those of you live can, can see it, um, just want to say that the FFCC drafts are now done, which is amazing. I don't know how Scott Fish does 1920 teams because 256 is is a lot and it's best ball, but I'm glad Um, the drafts were fun. Uh, A lot of people said they were fun. We got them all done in two weeks, which is extraordinary. I know towards the end, I definitely bullied a few people into getting those picks done, but um, it comes from a good place. It's a very stressful event running a large tournament like that. And uh, it was just nice to see all those picks get done. Um, We have raised £4,000 for charity so far this year through that and the Listener Leagues. And just on those notices, the Listener Leagues are up live. You can sign up um, and get a spot. There'll be a link in this podcast field as well. So make sure you sign up. We assigned half the spots. We're giving away about 180 spots in our Listener Leagues. I'm only going to field teams in nine of them this year, as opposed to 
I think I did 16, 17, maybe even 20 last year. Um, so I've curbed to nine. Lee and Rich are going to do the other six. 15 listener leagues. There is a prize for each one. All details on the website. Go hit the link. But I've delayed our guest long enough. Um, he is former former champ, and I'm doing this because I'm using it as incentive for him to get back his crown. Former rankings king at uh, Fantasy Pros. Um, he is the lead analyst for the score. He's a very good friend of mine. Justin Boone, welcome back. How are you, friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, I love that you threw that dig in there, just knife right in the heart that, yeah, Pat, uh, Pat Fitzmorris, who I had on the, my show last week, actually. Yeah, did. Uh, love, love Pat. I even said on my show last year that if anybody was going to win the contest, if I couldn't get the repeat, that he was the one I'd be willing to let do it. And, and he ended up coming through. So, um, yeah, Pat is, is fantastic. And uh, he edged above me again. Fantasy Pros just released uh, their multi-year draft accuracy. So for the last three seasons combined, and Pat took home the gold there. I ended up in bronze. And I've been kind of plugging at Fantasy Pros going, let's get the multi-year in-season one going because I'm pretty sure I might get the gold on that one, but we'll see if they actually put that out. But no, it's all fun. I mean, there's so many people up near the top there that are just fantastic rankers, not just myself, not just Pat. There's there's a lot. And yeah, it's a great time of year that now we're finally able to not just take like all those off-season thoughts we had about our rankings. Now we're actually seeing some things on the field, getting some actual news some concrete things that we can start to change the rankings around as opposed to just all off season when we're kind of a little more in the numbers and, and that stuff. And now we're getting some actual real stuff to go on. So it's great. And I mean, Hey, we got to say two off the top, like well done with the raising the money that all you're doing with the FF, those FFCC, those are fantastic. I'm, I'm in one myself and uh, yeah, just hats off to you. And uh, obviously Scott Fish and the work he does with that stuff's great, but it's awesome to see other people in the industry stepping up. So congrats on that. Thanks. Well, appreciate that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it was something that we said we wanted to do. We've done it for three years, the FFCC. We've always done charities. We always said, look, we'll, we'll just, people donate to their own charity, right? And uh, this year we wanted to pick uh, a cause that was really important to us. So we picked Unique, which is there uh, in the fight against rare chromosome disease, especially in, in children. Um, and one of our writers, actually, he uh, his children both have that. So it was a cause very close to us. And we were bouncing some ideas off in December last year. And he was like, do you mind if I put this forward? I went, that's done. Like, that's it. We don't need to think about this that's anymore. Um, so hopefully we can make a, a real difference. And that's, that's what we want to do. Because we get to do a lot of cool stuff for for fun and it's like we can all just put a couple of pounds and a couple of dollars into our pockets and and just donate and if we all get together we can do something incredible scott fish has talked about it for years so happy to do it and there's so many more that are doing great work as well um and, and scott also fish the- does a great job telling everybody too like it doesn't have to be like a big charity thing like this it could be in every league right mm-hmm. if you take one of the entry fees from your league and put that to charity right if every league did that that's another huge sum of money. So that's something I always recommend. I know when people message me on Twitter, if they ever want to, you know, give me a little something for, for helping out and helping them win fantasy titles. I always say, just, you know, find the charity you like and give to them. I know for me, you said things that hit close to home. Alzheimer's is one in my family that we've had to deal with. So I know when I play in a few of the charity leagues, like the data force charity league, I'm playing for that cause, but yeah, really, you know, to try to turn something that is fun, is about bragging rights, beating your coworkers, beating your friends. But if you can also do something good along the way, why not? 
Absolutely. And on the Fantasy Pros contest, they let me in it this year. So Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll be propping up near the bottom, <laughs> but it's just getting used to the format, isn't it? I, I did rankings on there last year and they were good enough to get me into the contest. So I'm looking nice. forward to um, watching you guys excel at the top and I'll be the guy at the end with the bat on sort of bringing up the <laughs> rear. But it's a process, isn't it? Every year you get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. So, yeah, uh, I've had a few people asking me, you know, about what what it is every year that kind of allows us to, to be near the top. The few people who seem to be up there and I know. Kyle Yates, who works for Fantasy Pros, actually joked on Twitter that, you know, the guys at the top must have the system figured out or something. And Pat and I were talking. We're like, no, we do not have it figured out. I was like, I've tried. I've definitely tried. And I've definitely gone and looked at it over, especially after I have a bad week or something. And then you jump on there and just scam through it. Okay, come on. There's got to be another angle I'm missing or something. And I don't know. They changed the rankings format a couple of years ago, too. So it's uh yeah it's very fun and uh yeah it's 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 awesome that you're in it i love i hope i wish everybody in the industry could be in it it's uh it's good for bragging rights it's good for even just you know friendly ribbing like this when little things come up (laughs) i've told this story before my best man at my wedding one of the things he did to get me was he rattled off all the names that everyone that had beat me on fantasy pros over the last couple years which no one in the crowd knew who any of those people were because wasn't a lot of fantasy players there but I knew, I knew. I sat there. I was angry at the head table. So it was a, it was a very good dig on his part. Oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm best man at a wedding on Saturday, this Saturday coming. And I wish he was into fantasy football. He doesn't even like, uh, just start getting into the NFL. He just watched, he watched the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl and he watched the NFC title game because he knew how important it was to me. He was like, okay, I'm going to watch it for you. Uh, but he's not really into, into it all that much. Um but he is the name of, I know he doesn't listen, so I can talk about this a little bit. He does share the name <laughs> of an Olympic diver who just won gold. So my speech is going to be a little bit Olympic themed. <laughs> okay, nice. Like um, yeah, so that's that's a little spot. Um, I just want to talk about the other type of football because the EPL starts this week. And I've never asked you this because I know we, we talked a little bit about the round ball with um, during the Euros. Do you have an EPL team that you support or... Can you keep an eye on or not really? Because a few don't, years, you guys do. And- I, I don't have one. A few years back, a bunch of guys in the score office started to get into Premier League and started to kind of pick their teams. And they were trying to, I don't know how exactly they did it, but they were trying to find teams that kind of mirrored their NFL team. Mm-hmm. So if they liked the Raiders, they were trying to find the version of the Raiders. I think that guy started cheering for Liverpool, I believe. I'm not sure if there was. I don't know yeah, what the that, that was. Yeah, that probably but- would have made sense a few years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, when I played FIFA, I think I often played with Arsenal, but it was, I think it was just because they were like alphabetically first on the list and their numbers were fine. I was like, yeah, okay, we'll just go with them. So I don't know. I don't know who the, the Bills equivalent would be, but, you know, maybe you can help me with that and, and I'll start Bills, rooting for them. Bills equivalent. So you basically have to have some, oh, this is going to sound really horrible. I'm treating you so bad as a guest. Basically someone who's come <laughs> close but never won it. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's what it is. That really is what it is. Um, that's a hard one. I would say you would almost be, you'd almost, see the thing is Tottenham did win it in the 60s and haven't won it since, but I can't, I can't have you be Tottenham because we can't be friends then. Uh, (laughs) I think, I think maybe someone like Newcastle where they're, they're well known for very passionate, loyal fans, um, which I know Bill's Mafia is, but Bill's Mafia definitely up there. One of the best 
two, three. Yeah, is there any races. Premier League fans going through tables or anything? That would be uh, an easy connection. No, but they, <laughs> but they, what they do do is they. It's quite cold up in Newcastle because it's up north, and okay. they go without shirts on. So they're nice, always yeah, there without the shirts. It's quite, quite a very Bills esque. Yeah, um, very much like a really close knit kind of community team. Joe Dolan supports them. Um, because I had him on and we talked about it. So you can bond with Joe. Do- I think Newcastle will be a good bet because they don't, All right. they don't, the problem is they don't, they haven't really won anything for quite a long time. Um, I but mean, they're that, quite a big team. A, the Bills are looking good as we know, but the yeah. Bills have not won anything in quite a long time. Well, you did win well, a division, so. didn't you? So you did win a division. Well, this I year. mean, yeah, I mean, just mean the the big prize. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Newcastle. Newcastle will probably be not a bad shout. I think for the type of fans, the kind of club. I mean, the owner stinks, but he's hopefully going to be gone within a year, um, and maybe new owners might bring new glory. It might be a good time to support Newcastle because they're kind of just under the radar, right. mid table, not overly exciting, but with new ownership could bring new hope, and they could climb the table. All right, I'll, I'll expect that Newcastle jersey in the mail then. Yeah, done. Or the kit, sorry, the Newcastle <laughs> kit in the yeah, mail. We'll Got to get, get that right. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about, because what I want to do out of this show, because I know I've got some of your listeners listening, our listeners listening, we're in that meat of draft time. We could go over what we're seeing in track in, in camp, but I think, you know, we did a good show on that last week with, with Graham. We could rehash some points. You and I did a show. We talked about camp battles on your show that people can go back and listen to. I want to talk about how we can help people win titles. Um, and I feel that this year, before we get into the main meat of it, which is on these middle round wide receivers, it's the roster construction to get to that stage. Because I think for me, I'm looking at draft boards, I'm looking at drafts this year. It's pretty hard to screw it up in the first two or three rounds, barring like you get the injury, etc. I mean, you're not going to be... Round three is very. Well, in hindsight, yeah. we'll look back and we'll go, "Wow, we really screwed it up." But right now, yeah. when you look at it, yeah, those, those first couple of rounds look pretty solid. Yeah, and it's it's chalky, isn't it? I mean, ADP's chalky. You're not getting. You might get Najee Harris go up the board three or four picks, or you might get um, Joe Mixon slide three or four picks. But really, it's quite a chalky board. There's very little ADP movement, and it kind of is chalky. So, round three is very similar quite flat it's only really around rounds four or five you're getting any kind of movement so let's talk about roster construction both in a a super flex because i know that's the most popular format now and a one qb in order to get to before we get to those middle rounds how do you like to build your roster in those first four or five rounds in both a super flex and also a one qb what are some of the things you're looking for where do you want to potentially hedge risk and where do you want to maybe build risk into the price, et cetera. What are you looking to do at the top top four or five rounds of the board? All right. Well, for the last few years, I would say, and I don't know that it's been that, I don't know if it was like a really conscious thing as much as it was just, I was liking the rosters that came away with when I was doing this. And so I just kept doing it more and more often. And people want to call it hero RB. They want to call it elite RB, whatever you want to go with for the name. Um, I think getting one running back early, um, in those first couple rounds, somebody that I feel really strong about, whether you get lucky and you get a high pick and you can get a, a CMC or whether, you know, you wait into the second round and maybe you're looking more at a, an upside guy like Antonio Gibson, um, making sure that I come away with that one guy that could be my RB one on the team who I feel really good about, who I think has that top five potential at the position. Um, that's really important. Um, coming away with an elite tight end 
has grown on me more and more over the last couple of years, just because you can't match that production. The, the production that you're getting from, uh, I mean, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, maybe to a lesser extent, George Kittle. We're not really sure what it'll look like with the target competition there this year, but I think he's still in that. Um, the numbers you get from those guys, Kelsey last year, tight end three, or sorry, wide receiver three, if you look at his points mm, per game, not yeah. even amongst tight ends. I mean, amongst tight ends, he scored like 10 more points per game than the, the tight end three last year. Um, but if you put him against the receivers, on average, wide receiver three, Waller as well was also in the top 10. So you can't, no matter who is going to break out later, it is going to be impossible to find guys that are going to get up into that range, right? We could talk about the, the Kyle Pitts and the TJ Hawkinson, and maybe they'll have a shot this year to get that kind of volume and be the, the number one or the number two option in their passing attacks. But it is going to be so hard for anyone to get up into that range. So I have even taken Kelsey late first round in some drafts, depending on the format. Um, I like the value you get with Waller sort of end of the second, early third, if you can get him there, especially then if you are starting with one of those running backs early in the first round. Um, and my approach with, with, and then after that, it's, it's receiver. We're going receiver like crazy, right? So as long as I get that one running back early, um, I like to get that elite tight end and the value at receiver that you can get in those next rounds is fantastic. And then at quarterback in single QB, if I can get one of those top five guys, if they fall a little bit, and I think the top five is fairly chalky. I mean, when you're looking at Mahomes and Allen and Murray and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott seems like the shoulders should be okay. Um, but if one of those five falls a little bit, I'll take that value. If not, what I've done forever has been grabbing a quarterback in that sort of nine to 11 round range. And in years past, we've gotten incredibly lucky with guys like Patrick Mahomes, his breakout year, Lamar Jackson, his breakout year was a year later. We got those guys in that range. Now it's a little tougher, but you can get some of those veterans that have really high upside, like a Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, guys that could have big touchdown totals, guys that have a lot of talent around them. We like their situation. Um, I'm really happy with the teams where I get those guys. If for some reason there's great value in another position and I just decide I'm going to push back on quarterback, then I want to put together a mixture of one of the really upside rookies, the, the Trey Lances, the Justin Fields, with a veteran guy who maybe has a decent early season schedule. I mean, Kirk Cousins is one that kind of pops up. Um, there's a couple that you could take a look at, depending how you feel about Sam Darnold. I know his early season schedule is like incredibly easy for them. Um, and then expecting that you're going to have Trey Lance, whether it's week one, whether it's week four, whether it's middle of the season. I feel good that Trey Lance and Fields are going to get under center for the stretch run. And I think those guys offer you know QB one upside based on their rushing ability and, and the talent around them on those teams. So um, if you're talking about super flex, now we were talking a bit about this before the show, because we were in a, a dynasty super flex league that was 12 teams. And my approach in that one was taking one quarterback early and then waiting because I feel like some of those veterans you can get a lot later. And it's similar in redraft. A lot of those veteran guys are not as exciting a Ryan Fitzpatrick or something. You can wait and grab them and get some value for your QB2 spot as opposed to feeling like you got to pay up. Then I mentioned that I'm in a 14-team Dynasty Superflex League. And in that one, my strategy completely switched. It's also six-point passing touchdown, so the quarterbacks are a little more important in that one. But in that one, I took the complete opposite approach, which was grabbing that first-round pick, and then I traded back into the first round to get another young quarterback. So um, there's a lot of different approaches you could take. For me, in the redraft leagues, if we're talking about Superflex, 
I normally will just go with that one QB early and then I'll try to find value where it falls to me, even if it ends up meaning that I got to take chances on if I got to wait really late and take a shot on a guy like a Sam Darnold or someone like that. I would be willing to do that just because the value that you get at the other positions when you're waiting on quarterback. That's good to know. And I think so summarizing that on the one QB, you're kind of thinking if you can get one of the two elite tight ends, you will, if not, it sounds like you'll punt the position, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, uh, Kittle seems to fall a little bit now. So I would still include him there. Okay. Um, and I would look at at Pitts and Hawkinson depending on the value, like if they're going to fall and it's, it's tough, right? Cause especially with Pitts, just the hype is outrageous. And for very good reason, I think he's going to have a great year, but that cranks his ADP up quite a bit. So maybe you get Hawkinson, if you can get him in the, you know, the fifth or so a couple round discount from those other guys where he still has a shot potentially to, to get up in somewhere near that range, let's say, but definitely, you know, he's ahead of that pack that's after them. Um, you know, Mark Andrews as well, you could kind of talk about, but not a guy that I normally end up with too much just because I think it's a low passing attack, it's a low volume passing attack, but also um, they brought in a couple other guys there. It's not just going to be the Mark Andrews show. So I think that means that yardage wise, he's not going to be able to get anywhere near those other guys. And then when you look at it and go, you know, it's really going to come down to the touchdowns for him. And we know touchdowns can be fluky. Um, and when you have a Rashad Bateman there and they're talking up Sammy Watkins, you still have Marquise Brown there's a lot of other options in that passing game that I don't know that Andrews is going to maybe profile, but it's the, some of the same things we could say about George Kittle this year, where there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of other guys there, whereas before when he kind of established himself, Kittle was really the clear number one. Now I start to look at it and go, that might be Brandon. Ayuk pretty soon, you know, Debo Samuel is going to take some work there as well. So uh, Kittle's not the only, only show in town anymore. No, I don't, I don't think he is. I, I, I cannot draft Kittle. I just, for me, when I when I build my roster in the opening five rounds, I don't really want to bake in too much risk because I know that where I will win leagues is value later on where I'll pick apart and find players that others won't and get value on them. And I back myself to do that and run the waiver wire with smart decisions. So I kind of want to build my roster in the first four or five rounds. I don't want to say entirely floor-based, but I want to kind of avoid an unnecessary risk. And I just view Kittle too much as a an unnecessary risk at that stage of the draft. If it was later on, I'd probably be okay with it. Um, I said it on our show recently, but I know we're all saying that, and I, I feel that way like I'm talking about too. <laughs> But there is also part of me that thinks that Kittle might just come back and us yeah. going, oh, yeah, right. He very yeah. well is the best tight end in the league. And how on earth did we even question that, right? <laughs> that there is a possibility yeah. that he comes back and we're reminded very quickly just how good Kittle is. Um, and that can happen with a lot of injured players, right? We see that often when these guys have injuries. Saquon Barkley could be another one where yeah. people are worried about the injury. It's in the news a lot right now. And you don't remember, you know, exactly what he was doing prior to that injury because he was gone all, almost all of last year. And then he could come back and he is that guy that really, when he's healthy, could put up those CMC type numbers and maybe even finish as the RB1 overall. And if you miss him for the first week or, you know, he's sort of limited in that first week or two, by week three, week four, definitely by the middle of the season, you all of a sudden have that guy that is that league winner that can put up those massive CMC like totals. And you got him at a discount, maybe in the second round or so. I've seen some people even say he's fallen to the third, but um, I got him in a, a super flex. It was a best ball league, but I got him at the end of the second round recently. 
Um, and it was a, an industry draft. So that's a guy where, like I said, if, if I got to take those first couple weeks and I don't have him, but the value that you're going to get for the yeah. rest of the time is, is definitely something to look at. So don't always, I know no. sometimes people just want to shy away completely from injured players and I get it. You know, there's guys right now that I like, like a Curtis Samuel, where he's missing this time. You know, he's got this groin injury. It's sort of unclear when he's going to be back. Now you start to worry because you have a new team, a new quarterback that he's got to get used to, and he's not getting those valuable reps. And he has this injury where they're saying, well, maybe he'll be back for the final preseason game. We're not totally sure. Now's the time to start worrying about that, that I still like him. I like the town. I like the situation, but that's one where I would be worried about drafting him. Whereas some of these other guys, the, the Barclays, the Kittles, they're such elite talents that they're going to come back. And I think we're going to get reminded pretty quickly just how good they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not overly worried about Kurt Samuel. I'm not getting a ton of him, but where he is falling in the right range, then I'm okay with it because he knows that system anyway. It's not like he's walking into a brand new situation. He knows the play call. He knows the playbook to a degree, or at least a good majority of it. He's not someone that needs to be engrossed like a rookie. I, Barkley, 100%, you're right. Um, they're saying... You know, now it's probably likely he doesn't come back to week three in full participation. So he's either going to be, like you say, on the limit or not play at all. And that will drop him into the late second, third round. And I think you're right there. He's a value because you can you can always you can always batter through the first two weeks with, you know, players like J.D. McKissick will get enough volume to just kind of get you through if you build the value yeah. elsewhere, et cetera. Like you can always find someone that will just get you through a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But so very, just last thing on the, your roster construction, if picking apart on a one QB, it sounds like your ideal, appreciate what different per draft spot would be one running back, one tight end, one elite quarterback, two wide receivers. If that in, was like, sorry, in, in theory, in, in a one in QB. Super or, or, or one QB. Well, or both, potentially. In, in one QB, um, yeah, if I could get – I'm probably not going to end up with one of those top five guys because I'm not willing to take them. I want to see them fall. Like I said, right? Like they're going to have to fall to the sixth or the seventh for me to be interested. Um, So that's why I don't end up with a ton of those guys, but yeah, grabbing that one running back early, grabbing an elite tight end in those first two, three rounds, and then hitting receiver very hard. And then if you can get that quarterback sort of, you know, in the the sixth or seventh there, great. If not, we're just going to hit receiver and running back like crazy in there. And there's lots of interesting running backs as well that are a little further down. Some of them are rookies where people aren't sure of, you know, what their role is going to be. Um, you know, some of them are guys that just are one injury away. There's a lot of guys that have uh, significant, significant ceilings that you can get in that range that I feel pretty good about. And then I have, you know, I have my starters at every position except for quarterback. I have a couple depth guys. And then now I grab that quarterback in the ninth, 10th, 11th round. And I still get a guy that, you know, Tom Brady that could put up another 40 touchdown season, Matt Stafford, who I think his ceiling goes up with, with the Rams and, and that situation and Sean McVay um, or Tannehill, who really the worry with Tannehill has been that he's been so efficient and how on earth can he continue this efficiency and you lose Corey Davis and you lose Johnny Smith and you go, okay, well now we're going to see, he's not going to be as efficient. And then you add Julio Johnson. It's like, okay, <laughs> no, well, he'll be fine. <laughs> as long as Julio stays healthy, he's going to be just fine. And he's got the rushing ability as well that everybody's looking for. So Tannehill is one that very sneakily could maybe get up into that top five or top six. If everybody stays healthy in that offense. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm completely with you. And I think, I think that's, it's a good point to remember that I read about this in the book. I think if you can get one of those elite guys around what, what round, round five, round six, I think 
if you can do it, do it, depending on how your build's going, if you feel comfortable doing it, because I think they give you an edge. But yeah, I'm taking ones in round seven, eight, unless you're getting like a Wilson to fall in that range, then no, I'm with you. I, I pun it until you get that next tier of guys, the Brady, the Tannehills. They're the kind of guys you want to you want to target. So, and it goes back to my point in the beginning. So I think for me, where not leagues will be won or lost, because obviously you've got a whole season, you've got a waiver wire. But where I think the, the first quarter of the season is going to be played out in fantasy leagues and get it off to a good start is that mid, that that rounds five, six through nine, that range. And because there's so much wide receiver depth, it's a minefield. I think you have to really, if you get that right, I think you're going to be off to a flyer and you'll have an amazing team that will challenge for titles. If you get it wrong and you pick too many mediocre, very low floor or safe floor, but no upside kind of plays. You're just going to pod along, maybe scrape into the playoffs and you'll run out of juice. So let's, let's try and work this minefield together. Cause I think okay. this is where for me, we can win people leagues this year, just on this. And I'm going to refer back to this episode a lot. So kind of broken this down. I use fantasy point. Um, sorry. I used fantasy data's PPR data, uh, for ADP. So it's, I tend to find it's pretty live. They update that every week or so. Um, so, and it's kind of broken down. So most of it's pretty consistent in a super flex or two QB league. Um, it's wide receiver 13 down to wide receiver 38 is in that range. So that's Evans, Julio, uh, Woods, uh, Amari Cooper and, and uh, Cooper Cup are in there and it kind of ends with AB and, and Robbie Anderson. Um, whereas in PPR one QB it's wide receiver 18. So it's Chris Godwin down to Jarvis Landry at wide receiver 44. So it's 26 wide receivers in that range of 60 picks. I want to go through round by round and not talk about each guy, but let's talk about maybe one guy, maybe two that we think could outperform ADP and people should think about, targeting and maybe someone there that is a red flag that we should consider be a bit careful there's other guys in that range who i would take over over the others so round five i'm just trying to drill in my head not to talk about every guy because i know i feel whenever (laughs) well we can i just i feel like i want to talk about every guy we can we can see see how we get on i don't (laughs) mind talking about every guy i'll I'll try to keep i'll try to keep it as tight as possible We're, we're all right um so we've got um chris godwin michael thomas Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, and Tyler Lockett. They're the fifth round guys right now. Lockett's been moving up in drafts because he was a, a late sixth round guy and he's getting some love. Thomas, obviously, with the injury, he's dropping down. In that range, if you were on the board right now thinking, I'm going to go wide receiver here, you're at 501, 502, and those are on the board, Who, whose number are you calling there? Why do you think they're a good bet to potentially? Well, I'll say first, I mean, Thomas almost completely off my draft board, like as close as you could be. Like I am outside the top 50. I think I even have him outside the top 60 receivers last time I did my rankings update. And it's not just because the injury and the uncertainty around that, but as we're seeing today, he's posting stuff on social media. There's clearly a giant rift there. It started, it was last year. There was talk about it that maybe he would get traded and he didn't. And I just keep, this just reminds me so much now of, whether it be AJ Green near the end with the Bengals, whether it was Kenny Galladay last year, these receivers that end up unhappy with the team for whatever reason, 
And Thomas, it's it's not money. It's something else is going on there. But unhappy with the team for whatever reason, they don't want to be there. Or the team doesn't want them or something. And he's got this injury. And all of a sudden, maybe we get to midseason. And now that injury is lingering. Or we saw right AJ Green just he didn't want to come back to the Bengals. Sat out a whole season, basically. Kenny Galladay didn't come back last. Like, you know, the, these injuries can just go on and kind of be the the impetus for them to then decide that I'm going to stay out a little longer than maybe, you know, I actually need it. I'm going to need more yeah. time to rehab. I don't want to go. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I just have a hard time holding Thomas because of all those things. And because he's just eating up that roster spot, if you can get him and throw him on IR, maybe, but I don't want him sitting on my bench, just eating that roster spot early in the season that I could spend grabbing, you know, exciting waiver wire guys, or, you know, all of a sudden that running back gets injured. You want to go get that backup running back who could be a starter in your lineup. But instead, you're waiting on Michael Thomas, who may or may not come back in week five, week eight, week whatever, right? Like, you, you know, you don't know when he's going to show up. So, sidebar um, on that, least, I think is. While I've Sorry? got you, sidebar on that, while I've got you on okay. this topic, I get asked this probably three times a week at the moment. Where would you take Michael Thomas? Right now, if you had a draft board in front of you and you could put a pin to say, I'll take Michael Thomas there, where's I the line? I don't think I would. I honestly don't think any I would. Point. I like I said, I have him at like why like why I'm pretty sure he's outside the top 60 receivers last time I did it. And it even kind of surprised me. And then I looked at it, and I was like, Yeah, I don't really think I want him above any of those other guys that are there. Like, and it, it seems kind of shocking. Now it also speaks to the depth at receiver that you know you can get these guys that are fairly deep that could maybe step up and be a wide receiver three in your lineup. And would you rather have that than Michael Thomas that you're waiting on forever? Um, so yeah, right now, unless we get some sort of news that changes and I'd hate to say a player's off my draft board completely, but I would have a very hard time taking him in redraft leagues anywhere. Um, just because I think you can get a, a more valuable player. I think there's better ways to use that roster spot. And I'm not so sure that the upside is there. What if we see Marcus Callaway is getting a lot of hype. What if we see him come out and play pretty well and you know, Michael Thomas comes back eventually, but if the offense has been doing all right. On top of the fact that we don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation and how the offense is going to look, there's just so many question marks. Anyway, we weren't going to talk forever about each one, so I'll keep. No, no, no. I, I just asked because I, I had, um, I took Michael Thomas in the draft recently in the 12th round, and then stuck him on IR and then picked up Callaway. <laughs> okay, so if you have the 12th round and an IR spot, I'm okay with that. Like then you're not burning that roster spot. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that, and that that could work out for you in the second half of the season. You get and that if it doesn't, in the playoffs. All right. Yeah. Outside of the first, you know, 10 rounds. And if you have an IR spot, I can get on board with that, but I'm saying there is a chance <laughs> you get nothing from that pick. Which like, but at that point in the draft, there's a chance you get nothing from any of those picks. So, um, all right, back to the, back to the fifth round here. So that, that's definitely, that was an obvious one. Um, I, I hate to speak positively about the bucks, especially after what you were saying about the bills and kind of digging that knife in as well early in the show, but Chris Godwin, it really surprises me that people are fading him as much as they are. And I get it. It's crowded there. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, you know, you got Gronk, you got all these different pass catching weapons. You got depth. You got Jalen Dart. You got all these guys. But like I said earlier, when we we're talking about quarterbacks. I think Brady's going to have another good year. I don't think there's really any reason that we should be concerned. I know the cliff is coming. And even though, you know, Tom Brady seems like he's superhuman that at some point we're going to have that Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, it's going to go away. He's going to lose it. And that cliff can come very quickly, but I don't think it's going to come this year based on what we saw last season. I don't think it's going to come yet. And I think he is very smart about what he's capable of 
And I don't think Brady is going to put him, you know, Peyton Manning was that guy that lived and breathed football and a guy that maybe didn't want to go away, right? Didn't want to leave the game. And Brady, I think, will leave the game when he's ready. I just think he knows his body right now and he can still produce. And he's on this very set. He thinks he's going to do two more years. And so I think the passing attack in Tampa is going to continue to be really strong. What people want to say that it's Antonio Brown's there and you have Mike Evans already, and that's going to be a problem for Godwin. Let's look at a couple of things. One, Godwin was banged up last year. He played hurt a whole bunch. Even in the games, if you just take the games in the second half of the season when Antonio Brown was there, you look at it and you take Godwin's numbers and you put him on pace for a whole 16-game season, he would have had over 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like He was still producing uh, 15.9 fantasy points per game last year. Um, you know, he was continuing to put up decent numbers. Uh, the 15.9 fancy points per game was 15th at the position. Like even though those other guys were there, he was still producing. This is a guy that we're a year removed from him finishing as the wide receiver two overall. And yet he has one season with some injuries. He is still young. He's 25 years old. I don't get why all of a sudden the fantasy community is kind of looking at him and not as excited about him. So Godwin is somebody that I, I would be very pumped to get there who I think could get right back up and put up wide receiver one numbers. And I just think that people are too quick to look at some of these pairings, some of these competitions and say, well, there's a winner and a clear loser. I think all three of those bucks receivers are great picks on your team. I know Antonio Brown probably represents the most value because where he's going, but I would love to have Evans or Godwin on my team as well. So I think he is a great one. And Tyler Lockett, you mentioned, it's another one where it's like surprising that fantasy managers aren't as excited. And you look at like, what is the concern other than the fact that the the Seahawks coaching staff just seems like they love running the football and they consistently, the end of the season, Pete Carroll came out and said, we got to get back to running the football. And they bring in a new offensive coordinator. You don't initially know how that's going to go, but right now I'm starting to warm up on that passing attack just a little bit because it sounds like Mm. they're going to up the tempo. And if they up the tempo, they could still go run heavy, but if they're upping the tempo, there will be enough volume for that receiving game to continue. When you look at Lockett, I mean, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, 28 touchdowns total over his last three years. You know, I just, you look at a guy like that who, you know, had a hundred catches last season. Like, why on earth would you shy away from that guy? Um, he's definitely somebody that, that's on my list that that I would love to have on my team. Um, you know, and there's other guys other than Thomas was an obvious one, but you look at that list and I mean, Adam Thielen on the wrong side of 30. The touchdown regression's coming. I keep saying this stat, but uh, over his last 25 games, he's been held under 60 yards 17 of those 25 games. Like, he's an older player. There are other younger options on that team. You talk about Jefferson. Dalvin Cook gets involved in the passing attack. Irv Smith, I think, is somebody that's still kind of interesting. I know people were worried because Mike Zimmer came out and said his role wasn't going to increase. But even the role that he had when Rudolph went out last season – Irv Smith was putting up pretty good numbers, top 10 fantasy tight end numbers. He's going to be involved around the red zone. So unless Thielen could put up another huge touchdown season, and it's possible, but he is a very touchdown dependent wide receiver and a guy that just at this point in his career, compared to some of those other names, I'm, I'm shying away from him in that range. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think if Thielen was around later, I'd be more interested in the fifth. I find it difficult. Lockett, I'm with you. Not only that, just... Who's his competition for targets? He's not got any. 
He's got the he's got a great rapport, as you say, with with Wilson. He's got no competition for targets. He's not going to go anywhere. DJ yeah, Moore, him, him DJ and DK Moore. all the way. You're not going to have a, an Eskridge or somebody come up and, and steal work from Lockett. So you have a very concentrated passing attack there. I think Gerald Everett will be involved, but I don't think Gerald Everett's coming in to get you know elite volume amongst tight ends. Like he's going to come in and fill the role that they've always had there, whether it was Jimmy Graham or Will Disley before he got hurt. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, both those Seahawks receivers, and you know this because I took DK Metcalf in our Dynasty League in our startup uh, a month or so ago. Um, yeah, I, I'm warming up to that Seahawks passing attack, even though I had some concerns, the rushing thing, the second half of the season, the last two years, they kind of just fell off the map. A little bit of hope uh, more recently, some of the things I've read about how the, you know, Shane Waldron's going to change that offense and, and up the tempo a little bit. It's a little more excited about it. I think so. I, I The one I will always go for in that range is always Deontay Johnson. I just think he is a crazily underrated receiver. With what he's been able to produce there, you know, you looked at him last year. And again, I don't think Juju is a big thing in that offense. I think they bought him back because he was he was cheap. They worked out a deal. But Juju's not going to be there next year. Juju's not going to take another discount to stay there and they don't have the money to pay him next year. I don't think he's going to be there. I think he is a luxury that they've managed to afford to have for another year. And it suits all parties. Juju must think he can do better than what he did last year. And maybe he can. Yeah. There's worries with Roethlisberger and how long he's going to hold up. But, you know, I don't think Roethlisberger was overly fit last year and Johnson was still good. I think Johnson is going to put up, Big, big numbers this year. I When I look at that range of players, I think about who's the guy who I can see getting into the wide receiver one conversation. You mentioned Godwin. I'm a little bit conservative on that because of where the part of the field he's going to compete with targets is going to be a little crowded. I think you're doing fine. Like, I think he returns the ADP. But I don't see top six, top eight wide receivers. I think Deontay Johnson, of all of those players, is the one that with a little bit of additional volume and a little bit to go his way could finish up there. That's the one for the me. The only thing I worry about, I mean, I, I worry about the the offense not being as pass heavy just because Ben's arm can't continue to do that. It seems like, and we're talking about quarterbacks nearing the end. I think Roethlisberger seems like someone that's a little closer to the end there. And so how much are they going to lean on the new, you know, running back with Najee Harris there and, and try to pound the ball a little bit. And then also, if I was just betting on which guy was going to break out in that receiving core, I think I would put my money on Chase Claypool being the one that takes that DK Metcalf kind of leap, just being that physical freak um, and him kind of coming in and, and blowing up a little more and maybe taking just a little bit of shine off of Deontay Johnson. But uh, talent wise, I mean, we saw him get a ton of volume last year. Um, you know, whether some of that was making up for the fact that they didn't really have a rushing attack. So they were kind of doing like the, you know, Jarvis Landry, Miami Dolphins thing where the short <laughs> passing game kind of becomes your rushing attack. Um, but yeah, I like Deontay Johnson as a player. I just think the the only real dart that I've been throwing in that Steelers passing attack has been Claypool for the reason that you're saying almost is that I see Claypool guy that if it all comes together, could all of a sudden in a couple months, we're talking about him as a top 10, top 12 receiver, um, just based on what we saw last year and kind of how that projects and, and his profile when you compare it to some of the other other players that did what he did as a rookie yeah I love Claypool as well and again I think both of those guys if you think that that offense sustained three top 24 wide receivers last year and I think I think Juju will go arrow down 
And I think as a result, both those guys, if they pick up a little bit, Harris gets his share. You never know. All right, let's move on to round six. Got Chase, Ayuk, OBJ, Galladay, Higgins, and then Claypool, who we've just talked about. So obviously Claypool is someone here who's a good value who we think can outplay the ADP. I think we both get on board with that. Who's the one you're most worried about in that range? And then who's the one other than Claypool that you would be buying? Um, well, I mean, no offense to to OBJ, who has done some great things and and for my teams, um, or to Kenny Galladay. But I mean, OBJ coming coming off the the torn ACL, and just he no longer gets the kind of volume that he got when he was in New York. Like that's just what it comes down to at this point. He was being peppered with targets in New York. They're not going to do that in Cleveland, and we kind of knew it from the outset. Like, like the the offense that they're running. And lean on the rushing attack. They have a great offensive line. They got a really scary defense. They made some great additions on that defense. They are not going to air it out and throw to Beckham 10 times a game. It's not going to happen. So he'll have the blow-up performances like he had against the Cowboys last year. It will happen from time to time. But he is you just can't expect the same stealing from him anymore. So now you got to look at him, adjust your expectations. He is more of a, a wide receiver three, maybe has some wide receiver two upside. But that name appeal alone is going to push him up draft boards, I think. And, and that's why yeah, I, I don't have a lot of shares of him. Uh, Galladay, on top of the fact that he was going to the Giants and starting with a new team, receivers changing teams, sometimes that could be problematic. Now he's injured. He's not going to have those valuable preseason reps with Daniel Jones. Uh, that is a significant worry in my mind, on top of the fact that you know now he comes back and what does that offense look like? We haven't exactly heard great things about Daniel Jones in training camp. Um, I'm a little worried that he's not the answer. So uh, Galladay is another one there that I just haven't ended up much with. And then, all right, the problem is, like I said, I can't just talk about one if we're going to talk about the guys that I like. Because, like, Brandon Ayuk, absolutely in love with him. Uh, T. Higgins, I think, is still fantastic. What we saw from him last year, I know Chase is there. And I like Chase, too. We, I, I like all the young guys pretty much in this range. And then Claypool. Um all of these guys are guys that I'm very confident in a year, in six months. We're going to be looking at these guys much higher up wide receiver rankings than they are right now in redraft leagues. So, you know, when you look at them, I mean, Sam Walsh of Rotoviz, I, I jotted this down because I think it was probably the best way to kind of bring all these guys together. Uh, he pointed out that since 2010, 17 receivers have scored at least 200 PPR fantasy points in the rookie seasons. Claypool made that list. Uh, I made that uh, I sorry he made it, but it was a, a per game basis because he didn't play the full season. So he would have made it if you put him on pace the whole year. Um, and then T Higgins came up just short of the 200. He was at like 196 or, or something like that. And when you look at the names that were on this list of guys that, that did that as rookies, uh, OBJ, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, Amari Cooper, Julio, Tyree Kill. Like that was, those were some of the names. Really, I think everybody except for, I think Kelvin Benjamin was on the list. And I think Jordan Matthews is on the list. I think those are the only two that didn't go on to have like completely successful careers, just slam dunk, obvious uh, fantasy starters. So uh, all three of those guys are guys I'm very excited about their futures. I want them everywhere in dynasty. And I think it's the the kind of thing where they're going to pop up and, you know, very quickly shoot up uh, draft boards, shoot up our rankings. Yeah. Um, just really excited about the situations for, for all of them. And Higgins is the one that I could see people looking at and going, well, Chase is there to be the number one guy. The volume that they're going to have in that passing attack is going to allow two, maybe three receivers to be successful. 
And Higgins has, you know, double digit touchdown upside. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very excited about that range. That's a round where I really want to come away with one of those guys. Shall I just give you some breaking news? Because it's literally happened. Breaking. Well, sorry, oh it's not news. no! No, it's not news. It's breaking. Breaking training camp buzz. Okay. Jamar Chase is not showing as much separation as hoped. Oh, okay. All right. That, that is very surprising. And also, okay, I'm going to rant about something quick here. The overreactions that we're getting, and we could tie this into the Joe Burrow thing. You're getting me fired up now. All right. Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL. The guy has a few rough practices where he's a little worried about the knee. And it seemed like Twitter was like, oh, Joe Burrow's a bust. His career's over. What are we talking about? The guy's coming back from a, a torn ACL. Of course, he's going to be a little rusty early in practices. Like the guy still has four or five weeks before the season here to get ready. And we're like already writing off his career pretty much, right? Like it's just, and Jamar Chase is a good example of, he's a rookie. Does he have a profile that makes him look like he's going to be an elite receiver? Yes. Does that mean he's guaranteed to be an elite receiver? No, but also let's give the guy a little time. Last year at this time, we weren't looking at Justin Jefferson as a 1400 yard receiver. People were looking at him going, well, I can't even pass Ola BC Johnson on the depth chart and he had COVID or he was on the COVID mm-hmm. list. So he missed some training camp time and that's going to set him by. And I'm saying that I'm not a hypocrite. I'm sure I was saying that too, because logically it made sense. And then he came out and proved us totally wrong. So you have to come at this stuff with some context, with some nuance. I know everybody wants to boil things down to make it as simple as possible and make it just black and white. But there is always context and nuance in these situations. And you got to look at some of these guys and go, yeah, there's a reason why we have training camp and preseason, why players are ramping up and why a quarterback coming off a torn ACL is going to be a little rusty or why a, a star rookie receiver, you know, potentially isn't just going to show up at camp and dominate everybody. <laughs> it might take him a little time to, to figure it out. And a guy that didn't play last year either. Right. Like anyway, that gets me so mad yeah, sometimes on Twitter when I see people that just make these really hot takes and want to overreact to everything. And it's just like, everybody's just got to simmer down. I don't go Aaron Rodgers and tell everybody to relax, but like <laughs> just come at it from a very logical perspective, think the whole thing through and then figure out what you want to do with it. Don't overreact to, to one news. Yeah, I, I literally. And I'm saying that as a guy who just talked up to Higgins. <laughs> yeah, and for what I just said, probably would be a good thing if if Chase struggled a little bit at the start. But I don't think that's going to happen for very I long. Literally only, I normally just completely scroll past these things. It's just because we were just talking about Jamar Chase and it literally popped up on the screen as breaky. I was like, I have that. <laughs> You had me worried that somebody tore an ACL know, or something was... when you said that. I, my face probably dropped on camera, yeah. I might have to screen grab that. Yeah, well, considering I lost Cam Akers in that dynasty startup like a week after the draft, yeah. Yeah, third third round pick, yeah, gone. just throw that one in the bin, pick it up next year. Yeah. Round seven, Jerry Judy. How, could, how can we top that last oh, round? We, well, we can't, especially not with this round, because <laughs> this round doesn't overly excite me all that much. Jerry, Judy, Devonta Smith, Cortland Sutton. That's it. That's all that's going. Because I think this is the round where people are getting those tight ends. People are getting running backs. There's a lot of running backs going around seven on the board. So not many wide receivers here. But you obviously got the two Denver boys, and people can't obviously decide where to put the money on. And Devonta Smith in, in Philly. Yeah, and I hope that this isn't because I'm kind of more in that dynasty mindset right now because we had our draft and I'm in another startup right now and I've been doing a lot of dynasty stuff. Um, but Jerry Judy for me is the the one that stands out here. Um, and I know 
he had the terrible catch rate under 50% last year. Awful. And he dealt with some drops and he dealt with drops in college. And that was a concern coming out. But I think we can attribute a lot of that to bad quarterback play. I really think that that's a safe bet based on what we saw there last year. And I think it's going to improve either because Drew Locke wins the competition and, you know, he kind of got challenged by Teddy and he comes away and maybe he is a little better this year or because Drew Locke's the same player and they decide to go with the more you know steady option, the steady vet and go with Bridgewater, who we saw in Carolina can support some fantasy receivers. He had three guys up in the, the top 25 when you talk about DJ Moore and Anderson and, and Samuel last season. So Judy, you can't just trust, you know, one opinion, one beat writer, one teammate, one coach talking them up. But with Judy, it's basically like everybody surrounding the team is saying that he's just flashing great route runner, obviously. Um, and, and a guy that's, you know, really coming on that last season, I didn't think it was too bad. He didn't do what Justin Jefferson did. But he came out, had over 800 yards. Um, so I think he's a guy that's on a, a fine trajectory here, especially when you you look at the quarterback play probably improving. Because when you look at last season, I mean, he was bottom in the league in when you're talking about accurate passes thrown his direction. Pro Football Focus had the stat. Judy was right yeah. down there by the bottom. And it's understandable. It wasn't just Drew Locke's fault. They had a bunch of other quarterbacks cycling through there. Kendall so. Um, for a week. Kendall Hinton. He didn't throw many passes that game. But yeah, Kendall Hinton was out there. And then Cortland Sutton, a little bit worried, you know, coming back from the, the ACL injury. Um, I think, you know, he's going to improve again. People freaked out. That was another one where he was out there running around, didn't really look like he was himself. But the guy's got four or five weeks here before the season to, to heal up and get a little more confident in that leg. So, um, and then the other thing with this, if you're looking at that Broncos receiving core, uh, last year, Tim Patrick came in and kind of did like a, you know, 80%, 70% Cortland Sutton impression. Like he got 79 targets. He had some big games. I know every week on our podcast and the waiver wire show, I kept <laughs> saying, how is Tim Patrick still available? Go and pick him up. Um, so you get 79 targets vacated from him. Um, I mean, he'll still get some, but that he's not going to be a starter anymore. You're going to have Cortland Sutton in that role. And then Deshaun Hamilton, no longer with the team. He had 44 targets last year. So there's some targets that could go Sutton's way without really impacting Judy that much. And then at that point, all you really need is, is Judy's catch rate to come up. And like I said, I think that's going to happen. So um, I would look at those two Denver guys and I would have Judy as the one that I think uh-huh. is is rising, is ascending. And I think Cortland Sutton's one that I'm probably shying away from. I still think he's going to be good. And I'll maybe look at him a little more next year or maybe try to trade for him during the season if he starts slow. But a guy that in the draft, I, I don't think I'm going to take in that range. I'm with you. Uh, Judy, potentially Smith and Sutton, not for me in redraft. Because the next round for me, there are some guys I would have over, I think most, if not all of the guys in the previous round. DJ Chark, Juju, Curtis Samuel, who we've mentioned, Robbie Anderson, who, by the way, if he's available in the eighth round that I'm picking, he's coming in straight away. Uh, I think of all the receivers we've talked about, he is the one, other than the guys maybe in round five and Ayuk, that excite me the most. Um, AB's in that range went on your podcast and talked about how he's just a ridiculous value in there. He was around nine guy there. So people are buying him. He's jumped into round eight and Chanel, who I don't want any part of on any, he, he will not be on any of my, really? he will not be on any of my teams. Okay. I've just watched too much urban Meyer football as a, as a Florida oh, Gator right. in my time to know 
that they're not going to support three. And I appreciate college games completely different, but I've seen this spread offense. I've watched enough of it. I don't, uh, you know, I don't. I just don't want any part of Chenault. I just don't think Chenault's his absolute ceiling is what he did last year. I think long term, maybe long term in a dynasty league, I would be inclined to pick him late if he was still there. He probably won't be. This year in redraft, I cannot see where his value is going to be. They bought in Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is going to have a, a solid role this year. You've got Chark in that range. Chark's role will be baked in. And then, so Chenault's going to play, and who's going to eat into his volume? It's it's going to be Etienne, because Etienne is going to be there. That's why they drafted him in the first round. They didn't need a running back to go ahead and and carry the, carry the rock. They, they needed one to do these spread plays out of the backfield. And I think that's where for me, Chanel is. I look at, I look at every wide receiver on this list. I think out of all the wide receivers in my rankings, I probably have Chanel at the bottom. Yeah. In fact, I do. I don't have any one of these wide receivers below Chanel. I just think Chanel is a guy who could quite, he for me is the Henry Ruggs of this year. He's the guy that is going to, I mean, the, the one thing that, that uh, makes me, I mean, aside from, training and uh, OTA is obviously they were talking about, Hey, he was, you know, the best player in the field, best skill position guy on the team, all that sort of stuff. So that you were getting kind of that big drum beat from a lot of beat writers and people around the team. So that was kind of interesting, but also when I look back to, to him coming out and I did it not long ago, I went back and looked at like my pre-draft profile for all the receivers. I normally do an article each year looking at uh, who's going to be the kind of biggest star, who's got the best chance to kind of be a star at the next level before we know the landing spot. And I didn't have him in the same group as Lamb and and Judy, those guys at the top. But I wrote in that article that it was just because of his durability, that that he is a guy that really, in my mind, projected like he could be, uh, you know, very strong receiver at the next level, be a team's number one. But because he was so banged up in college, you just had a hard time going, is he going to be make that transition to the pros? And I know that could be a very dangerous thing when you're kind of guessing at some of that injury stuff and maybe it doesn't carry over. Um, but I think now what we're hearing from them and Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, he said they're looking at him as more of a traditional wide receiver this year. They want to play him more on the outside. Um, DJ Shark, you know, having to have surgery on his finger, that is going to only help, you know, like that's only going to help get him more looks. Yeah. Um, and more practice time and and all of that, and maybe push Shark a little down people's boards. I think Marvin Jones is going to be involved and probably more involved than we want him to be, and maybe not the greatest fantasy option, but a guy that could take away from some of the options there. And I, I'm with you that Travis Etienne, everything is pointed to him getting a lot of work as a receiver, as a runner. Uh, they're going to have him involved, and yeah, he could be problematic too. And maybe the move here, and I had Pat Fitzmorris on uh, my show and we were doing the quarterback preview episode. And he talked about Trevor Lawrence being a guy that he thinks is a great value and a guy who could help lead people to fantasy titles, because mm-hmm. you look at all the weapons that you have on that offense. And if you're not sure about who to go with, go with the quarterback. And then you kind of expose yourself to all of them. Right. So um, I actually do like, Chanel. I understand the concerns with him, but I think for me, I think some people look at him and see him as more of that gadget guy or the guy who could have played this, slasher role that they're going to put Etienne in kind of um, maybe that Chanel could have done that, but I think he could be more than that. I think he's a very strong receiver, oh, physically yeah. strong body guy, a guy that can get involved in, you know, you can give him handoffs out of the back, but you can find different ways to get the ball in his hands and he could pick up some big yak ability. Yeah. 
Um, so he's actually a guy that I do like in that range on top of Antonio Brown, who we mentioned and talked about earlier. I don't need to get into him again. And Anderson, who, yeah, quietly had over a thousand yards <laughs> last year. And I know Terrace Marshall is going to be good. I know DJ Moore's there. Yeah. Um, but I think you're going to get at least one decent season here out of Anderson, and then he'll be able to pass the torch to, to Marshall. And even if Marshall does come on, you have Curtis Samuel out of the picture. It's not a one for one. You're not going to have Marshall come in and play the role that Samuel played, but he's a guy that can come in and be a, a big slot receiver for you and just kind of soak up some of those Samuel targets. And you could still have more and, and Anderson put up decent numbers. So yeah, where you're getting him. He's a guy that I've passed on a couple of times. I like him. Um, but I passed on a couple of times, including in our dynasty startup and went with a younger option in Curtis Samuel. And it was just between those two. And I, I regretted it, you know, probably a round later, I was looking at it going, I probably should have went the other way. Yeah. I let the, the age thing sway me too much because Samuel's like four years younger, but, um, and I'm sure the injury now makes it look a little <laughs> worse, but yeah, Anderson, a guy that I, I wish I had even more places than I Anderson is, is just for me. You know, Carolina last year, and appreciate last year there was no CMC there, but they led the league in three wide receiver sets. Um, I expect him to do something similar with what Joe Brady does. I expect him to use Marshall. I see Marshall more this year to get his role up and to get him comfortable. You might see him in that like hybrid slot kind of role. That's how I can kind of see his usage for this year. And I agree with yeah. you for next year. Then I think Robbie Anderson is, is a one and well, I say one and done. He did it last year. So he's a two and done for me. <laughs> but, uh, but I think this year, I think that's how they'll get Marshall. Carolina are under absolutely no pressure to win now. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to win 10 games this year. They, they're they going to be competitive. You know, they were competitive last year. They lost, I think, the most one-score games out of everyone in the league last year. Um, they'll be competitive. They'll be tough. And they'll fight every week. But I think this year they're thinking, how do we develop for next year? And I think putting Marshall yep. in that sort of slot, I'd like, by the way, Marshall for me is an instant late round wide receiver guy who I'm just adding everywhere. I'm not yeah, going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I've been picking him since. If one of those other receivers goes down, yeah, he's a guy that could definitely blow up. Yeah. And, and we talked about the easy early season schedule, and this yeah. has nothing to do with our subject no. today, but I'm going to throw it out there because it's something I came across recently. Um, last year in the second half of the season, the Panthers defense actually started to put, put up some decent numbers. I think they were in the top 10 fantasy points per game at, among defenses. Um, they got a lot of young guys. They've only added to that. Um, and you look at the schedule early in the season. So if you're really waiting on, on defense, you look at that schedule early in the season and what is it? it's the jets in week one, the saints and their quarterback situation in week two, the Texans in week three, um, they also have like the Eagles in week five, like the, the Giants, Atlanta, like that first half of the season is pretty good for them. And I think that's a defense that could really surprise people with these younger talents. And they spent a lot of draft capital on that defense. Now these guys getting a little older um, makes them pretty exciting, too. So to- totally off topic, no, I but I felt like I should throw that, that. in. <laughs> Bit of extra value. Well, we're helping people win leagues. So don't draft the defense. Use that extra pick on someone like a Marshall. Get to a week before the season. Pick up the Carolina defense. Play them for the first few weeks. There you of the go. Season. There you go. Last run, then. Let's look at round nine because this is this is for me. I think probably the most difficult of the receivers to kind of separate out: Pittman, Boyd, Williams, Cooks, Hardman, and Landry. Because there's no one in there that I think is for round nine. There's no one in there. I'd think, oh god, I don't really want them on my team. I, I mean, like nobody loves Jarvis Landry. No one ever goes out there thinking I'm going to go into a fantasy draft and I'm going to draft Jarvis Landry. But you know what? In round nine, thinking 
he's a low end wide receiver two guy if it all kind of happens for him like it did last year. I I don't love it. Yeah, with but... Beckham with Beckham back, I, I think that hurts Landry in the same way that you know it hurts Beckham, obviously. Um so he's not one that I'm looking at there. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting guys there. And I would be really okay taking anybody else from that list. I mean, Pittman's not as exciting based on the Carson Wentz injury. No. So that kind of lowers, not just lowers the offense initially in the season when Wentz is out, but now that hurts all that time they would have had together, right? New quarterback to get ready for the season, get on the same page and help Wentz maybe, you know, knock off some of that rust or forget some of those bad memories that happened in Philly and maybe remember how to play quarterback. Uh, now they're not going to have that time leading into the season. And then you don't know what, when is it going to be when that team is kind of rolling and everyone's comfortable and gelling together. Cause there's also injuries in the offensive line. And so, you know, some concerns about that passing attack for the Colts and maybe a slow first half of the season for it's that. It's going to be worse when they get Nick Foles in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. Oh, I, I, it's not, there's no way that they could do that to Carson. Of course it's gonna happen. The money makes sense. It would cost like a, a conditional seven for a sixth round pick. It was it was funny when Foles was like basically in the press conference like calling for it like yeah I'm, I love that system and obviously you just wanted it to happen um, but yeah if you look at some of these other guys in this range Mike Williams you know already showed us that double digit touchdown upside um, now you're gonna have him attached to to Herbert out there in an offense that they're suggesting that he's gonna play that X spot and he's gonna get a lot of targets so that makes him kind of interesting um, Cooks is somebody that. You know, when you look at Brandon Cooks and what he's done over the last stretch here, like, I don't really want to invest in Texans players. I really <laughs> don't. We don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation there. And it doesn't seem like Watson's going to play for them this year and all that sort of stuff. But you talk about a guy that's the clear number one on that team that last year when Will Fuller was out, Cooks saw at least eight targets in each game. So it was four games where, where Fuller was out. So that's pretty good volume. I remember last year being stunned that they were giving that kind of volume to cooks. Cause he does a profile, like a high volume guy, but he was producing and five of the last six seasons, he's broken a thousand yards. Like there's a lot of reasons to like him and talk about quiet, quiet years, quiet stat lines. I mean, 81 catches, 1150 yards and six touchdowns last season for Brandon cooks. Now Deshaun Watson was there. It's you know not as ideal of a situation this year, but when you're getting him in this range, I would take a shot on him. Um, so yeah, he's somebody else. I mean, Hardman, we're finally getting, and we could get burned again, but we're finally getting that, that buzz that the team is kind of excited about him that, you know, maybe he is kind of getting a little more comfortable more than just being that little gadget guy that, you know, he, he can do more in that offense. And then the other thing I like about him is he comes with sort of that nuclear option too, right? That if Tyreek Hill goes down and then last week, Tyreek Hill missed a couple of practices and there was, Oh my God. Um, if he goes down and if he'll miss a significant time, Hardman just slips right into that role and he's not going to give you Tyree kill numbers, but he could put up huge stats as a potential number one in that offense. So um, yeah, a lot of paths to really nice outcomes for that group too. And it just shows you that receiver is, is so deep. Um, but one of the things that I noticed, and I think it was probably evident during the show, and that's why I brought up the, the dynasty bias. And I hope that's not what's impacting it, but having confidence in some of these younger guys who we haven't seen do it yet, but we really like the profile. We've seen them flash and just don't think that the, the draft values and the ADPs, that's not how it's going to stay all season long. You got to think ahead to, you know, halfway through the season. What is this going to look like? If this guy comes out and does what I think he can do, 
is he going to be a wide receiver one this year when everybody else thinks he's a wide receiver three? And you don't need to pay up wide receiver one prices to get him. But just thinking all that stuff through and not just looking at ADPs and trying to necessarily get the value off of that, but forming your own opinion about what this is going to look like halfway through the season or after this season and trying to get ahead of that stuff and get some of those players that are going to be the difference makers that we're going to look back on and say, man, how did we not see that coming? You got to try to figure that stuff out in advance. And what's really interesting through this discussion, because we have talked about almost every single player, the ones that we're saying are risks here. So that's Thomas, Thielen, OBJ, Galladay. These are all players who at one point in their career produced, but they're all age profile, a little bit older, all have some form of injury concern or have come off some form of, of injury and into situations that are either ambiguous or they're just not high volume. And so we're worried about that. And the guys that we're really excited about are ones that are young, got high draft capital, have been invested in by their teams quite significantly, and most of them by the coaching staff that are there. So they've drafted these guys. So people like Ayuk, Judy, Hardman, and Anderson was signed by this coaching staff, but and he's probably the exception in terms of age-wise. But, you know, I'm looking at this thinking, you know, if you're so kind of stuck between, you know, the, Johnson Johnson, Chase Claypool, their examples of guys, younger guys drafted by their franchises, drafted by the coaching staff to come in and do a job. I guess to navigate this minefield, if you're stuck between someone on a little bit older or someone that with that high draft capital, young guy, not saying always, but that seems to be how we've gone through this minefield. Look at the age profile, look at the draft capital, look at the situation they're in and think, can this guy give me more than where he's going? Because I'm looking at all these young guys thinking, Ayuk can easily outperform, Chase can outperform, Higgins can outperform, Judy can outperform where he's being drafted. You know, we're not really saying that about Thielen, about Galladay, about OBJ, um, about Landry. So, yeah, that was an interesting observation. And there's, there's, value, there's value to be had everywhere. And we got to keep reiterating it. Like we're not saying you only go for the younger players and you totally, there's definitely value with some of the older guys as well. Um, and of course it's case by case basis, but if you're looking and you're trying to get ahead of those guys that could take major leaps. And if we're looking at that upside and especially in the middle rounds, and we're trying to find those guys that could, could jump way up and not just be, and I always talk about this with running back too, right? Like I don't want that safe guy that can give me some points and just get me by. And those guys end up being roster cloggers. You want the guy that can come in and grab that backfield, whether it might need an injury to do it, but that can all of a sudden be that running back one and get a ton of volume and make a huge difference for your team. And if you're picking receivers in the middle rounds, you don't want that guy that's going to go out there and just give you okay production. And you want a guy that can significantly outproduce and that you're going to know early in the season what you have with them. And then you can move on and pick up that waiver wire receiver that's blowing up in the first few weeks instead if it's not working out for your guy. So yeah, thinking, just making sure that you're constantly focused on the guys who could be difference makers on your team and not just trying to fill a need at a position. Oh, I need a RB2 that I can just throw in there and you get some safe guy that really just doesn't have a ceiling whatsoever. Um, that, that normally for me, that on my teams, it's just going to make me upset and tank my team because I'm not going to have that power to kind of win week in and week out. You're not going to have that fuel to, to power your team. No, they're the kind of guys you pick up off the waiver wire for a week. I've got an injury here. I've got a bye week. I just want to get 
you know, like Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines wasn't a guy that anybody was going out and drafting last year. But you know what? For a couple of weeks production here or there, and I know he finished as an RB2, but I'm not being funny. I probably would have finished as an RB4 if I'd lined up enough games with the amount of injuries there were last Philip year. Rivers would have thrown you the ball just <laughs> as much as exactly yeah. So, you know, I just think that, you know, those are the sorts of guys that you don't really want to draft. They're the kind of guys that you want to have earmarked to pick up off, you know, like, for example, I would draft a JD McKissick and Naheem Hines if I was going for that Barkley, knowing he's not going to be playing for a couple of weeks. I think, okay, fine. You're going to take one of those guys because you, you're going to have him plugged in for a very specific role for a very specific set of one or two games. And then you're probably going to cut him. That kind of makes sense. But the rest of the time, I think, no, just go and chase, go chase league winners. If you miss, guess what? There's a whole wave of wire full of guys. No one was drafting James Robinson last year. No one was drafting Mike Davis last year. <laughs> you know, these guys are always going to pick up and you just even need to try and outsmart them and try and get them. You know, some really smart guys were getting James Robinson in the last round of drafts. They were getting James Conner in drafts when the whole a holdout situation with Lev Bell was happening. You know, I take a chance on maybe one of these free yeah. agents. You know, you've got the yeah. Rams who could easily go out and get it back. And if Henderson gets injured like he has done the last couple of years and you've picked the right back, buy a lottery ticket into that backfield and you'd be laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we've, I, I know we're, we're getting close to the end here, but the other thing that I will say, cause we've talked a little bit about everything, right. We've talked about kind of how we're approaching drafts and that strategy. And then the players in those middle rounds that we think are important. The other thing I will say is think about your actual roster construction. So if you are investing in an elite tight end, don't take another tight end. Don't go, okay, well, I got Kelsey early, but I love this. Irv Smith is going to, no, you don't need another tight end at that point. Use that roster spot to try to make up those other positions. If you go receiver early, you probably don't need to carry as many receivers on your team then because you have those elite guys that you feel good about, right? Or if you do go running back early, then you might not need to spend all those bench spots on the backups. You could try to take more shots on some of these receivers we've talked about to try to find more of those guys who have those ceilings that could get into your lineup and give you a you know, difference-making production. So keep that in mind because I think sometimes in drafts, people just go through and they get too hung up on value or you know you got to think about that roster construction all the way through and how important that can be. And that's why I said earlier with quarterbacks, if I take that elite quarterback early, I'm not taking a backup, but if I'm going to wait until late, then I will take that rookie and pair them with the vet because now I feel like I need both of those to try to make up that production. So roster construction is something that's incredibly important in all this as well. You are, it's such a great point because the amount of rosters I see, and I've just gone through you know, a load of drafts and I'm in a lot of drafts and I see this, the amount of people that do, they go and draft two quarterbacks, two tight ends, one kicker, one DST, five running backs, five receivers. You'd be amazed at how many people do that. And you think... Actually, yep. you're just throwing away picks doing that. You know, it's, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do that. There are times where that is the appropriate strategy. You've gone quarterback late and you do what you say. You partner Trey Lance with, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins, for example. Kirk that Cousins. makes sense. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Doesn't, you know, that's why you carry two, two quarterbacks. You've, you've punted tight end to the 10th round and you get a Higby and an Everett. Makes sense. You you bang on one of those guys. But as you say, if you've got Kelsey, don't draft another tight end. Just just pick one up in the wave wire week. You're going to get an injury. You're going to get someone go off your roster. You know, just rotate out. Because if Kelsey gets hurt, you're probably screwed. Yeah, you're anyway. already out. Yeah. If you're losing that elite tight end that you spent a first rounder on, 
your season's probably not going to go as you planned anyway, and you're going to be scrounging. So yeah, don't don't burn that roster spot just in case that happens. I keep saying this to people: if you go running back three of the first five rounds, which happens quite a lot for people, you should really, unless you're getting extreme value somewhere, you should probably stop at four. And I mean, don't get me wrong: if someone falls in your lap, I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule. But for me, I'm kind of if I'm getting three in the, three in the first five rounds, that's the way that the board's gone, and that's how I like the value. And then I'm going to go into this wide receiver minefield and pick my guys there. Fine, um, I will stop at four unless I just see an extreme value that I think, oh wow, Tony Pollard's there in the 14th round. All right, I'm going to have to pick him because if Zeke goes down, then fine. But if not, just just stay with four. You're fine. And go with the extra wide receivers because you need love the advice. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I always love having you on. I've learned a lot. I think everyone's learned a lot. I think people are gonna people are gonna do well out of this episode just to I think we've picked through a lot of wide receivers here and we've given people a good plan to walk away and hopefully do well in their drafts and crushing. But where can everyone find the amazing draft kit you put together? Because that's the other winning piece now. They need to get they need to get your draft kit, they need to be accessing that, looking at your projections, looking at your rankings looking what you're doing because that's also going to help a lot of people win. I've had so many people message me today when I heard, they heard you were on saying, yeah, Boone's helped me win leagues. So uh, where can all my uh, listeners tune in and, and, and get that content? Well, I love to hear that. Um, I know every time that you and I talk is we're probably going to run long as, as we're doing today always. Um, so that's not a surprise whatsoever. Um, and I, that's, I love talking to you too. And that, that's why I don't feel like we could keep going on here for hours and hours. That's why we kept taking so many detours along the way. Uh, our draft gets available on the score. You can download the score app. It is free. There are a lot of awesome, uh, outlets that have draft kits that, that charge you for them. And I'm not saying not to do that. All I'm saying is I would put my rankings up against anybody's in the industry in terms of accuracy. And the score is still giving them away for free in that draft kit on top of, my breakouts and busts and strength of schedule. And there's really everything you need in that draft kit. It's designed to, to work on a mobile app. Um, really all the content's kind of made for that. So you can have kind of your phone just there really quick checking during your draft. Um, all of that is what we have in mind. So I would say check it out and bookmark that page because we're going to continue to update it. Offensive line rankings are coming soon. Lots of stuff here. I'll have my strategy articles that I do every year, looking at where you're picking in the, the round and what kind of strategy you could take along the way with some of the players that I would pick in those spots to kind of help guide people through. And I know a lot of people like those articles. I get a lot of people asking where they are, but I don't put them out in July because so much changes. So we try to put them out in uh, early to mid August here so that we know kind of some of the injuries at least that could change things along the way. But I constantly update everything in that draft kit too. The rankings are getting updated all the time. So um, yeah, check that out. Check out the score fantasy football podcast. That's my show. We're doing the season preview series. And one of the things that I did was this year, for each position group, I tried to go and get the person. And I didn't just try. I got them. The person who was most accurate ranking that position last year. So we had Pat Fitzmorris, who won the contest last year and was the most accurate at quarterbacks. We had Jared Smola. Um, he was on for the running back episode. I'm going to have Sean Kerner on this week, um, who's been one of my rivals for a long time. He's always up near the top of the rankings list as well. Uh, his first time on the show. So I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, he'll be on for receivers and then Chris Raybon doing tight ends. So uh, that's going to be a ton of fun. I love those episodes. And I think similar to this one, just a lot of information. We're trying to give you actual information for your drafts, for your leagues. They're going to help you win a fantasy title because that's what we want. We want everybody to win the fantasy title or at least get you as close as possible. And, and that's what we're here for. That's why we're 
we're grinding and going over this, the stuff over and over and, and spending all this time for so many months of the year. I'm just glad now I'm getting to do it full time. So it can help justify all the time that I'm spending on this more than when I was doing it on top of my regular job before. So yeah, it's fantastic. I love, love talking to you. I'm glad we we're able to do this. And I'm glad we had you on the show a couple of weeks ago as well. People should go back and check out that episode if they haven't already. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the kind words. I'm going to leave you one more bit of training camp, uh, training, training camp hype. Oh, you just get me worried through. again. No, 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 don't. Uh, Joe Judge has said that Saquon Barkley can theoretically play in preseason. So along those lines, we had uh, Dr. Edwin Porras on um, the show talking about injuries a few weeks back. And he sort of suggested that he thought Barkley was maybe a little more ready than they were letting on. And that from what he saw, he thought Barkley was going to be okay early in the season. Now there was more news that came out since that show, but he he seemed pretty confident that we weren't as worried about Barkley. And he showed more concern about somebody like Joe Burrow, um, which like a few days or a week later uh, came to fruition when everybody was freaking out about Joe Burrow. But at the same time, it's not that, Joe Burrow is going to fall off the face of the earth. It's that early in the season, we're not going to see him running as much as he did last year. You know, there might be a, a little bit of rust to knock off because he didn't get to spend as much time all off season getting ready as he would normally because he was coming back from the injury. So there was a lot of information in that one. I recommend people could check that out too. Um, if you're worried about some of these players that have injuries early in the season, we talked about everybody from Cam Akers future to when you could expect Michael Thomas to come back. Yeah. Lots of, lots of stuff in there. And that's also in the draft kit. No, I appreciate that. I just love that the comment was uh, theoretically can play in the preseason because uh, uh, everything, everything is theoretical. I mean, theoretically. Joe Judge makes some interesting decisions, though. We can. It uh, yeah, it makes some interesting decisions, but. But let's, uh, let's end this here. Justin, thanks, as always, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I think people got a lot smarter this week listening to this. I know I have, and I was part of the discussion. So um, Rush Nation, don't forget listener leagues links are in the, the the show notes but also on the website go sign up if you haven't got a spot we are asking for a small charitable donation if you are joining it's three pounds about five us dollars help us get to that goal of five thousand dollars we're just a thousand pounds away now so not far to go um don't forget to tune into all the other guys great shows lined up this week but until next week don't forget keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.